And we're going to look at levels of chanting and coming to attentive chanting through the science of sound. And this seminar was first presented by Bhakti Vigyan Maharaj. I heard it in Radhadesh, um, it was maybe 2004, and I asked him if I could also present it. So he gave me all of his notes, a third of which were in Russian. <laughs> uh, he had it as a six-day seminar, about two hours a day. I brought it down to about an hour and focused on one of the main points. And you have a handout there, which has been translated into Croatian. That should help you be able to follow at least some of the main points. All right. So we're going to start with Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 3, Chapter 26, Text 32, which is part of the instructions of Lord Kapiladev. I'm going to read the translation and then just certain parts of the purport. Translation. When egoism and ignorance is agitated by the sex energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the subtle element sound is manifested, and from sound come the ethereal sky and the sense of hearing. From the purport. It is stated also in the Vedanta Sutra that sound is the origin of all objects of material possession, and that by sound one can also dissolve this material existence. So sound is the origin of all all material existence, all objects, and that by sound you can also deliver ourselves, dissolve it. Anavritti Shabdat means liberation by sound. Now, I'm going to read just a couple sentences here from the purport, and then I'd like to ask you to tell me what you think Srila Prabhupada means, or what Prabhupada is saying here. The entire material manifestation began from sound, and sound can also end material entanglement if it has a particular potency. The particular sound capable of doing this is the transcendental Hare Krishna. Our entanglement in material affairs has begun from material sound. Now we must purify that sound in spiritual understanding. So what do you think Srila Prabhupada is saying there? Want to read it again? Yeah, but chanting, we can hear ourselves. 
by chanting we can free ourselves. Okay? Uh, why don't I read the, go through it again? The entire material manifestation began, the entire material manifestation began from sound. And sound can also end material entanglement if it has a particular potency. The particular sound capable of doing this is a transcendental vibration, Hare Krishna. Our entanglement in material affairs has begun from material sound. Now we must purify that sound in spiritual understanding. I thought I said that uh, sound is very powerful. And we can use it in a, in a way that it can help liberate us or it can put us in a Okay, sound is very powerful and it can either liberate us or entangle us. Okay, yeah. any other? Yes. Uh, he says that uh, we are used to hearing material sounds so that we need to purify our consciousness, our understanding so we can transform this uh, into the spiritual sound. Okay, so we're accustomed to hearing material sounds. We need to transform that. Okay, other ideas what Srila Prabhupada is saying? Yes? No doubt that Srila Prabhupada is saying that we all need to be purified by sound. We need to be purified by sound. More? Hare Krishna mantras that have this power. So and the, the sound that has the power is the Hare Krishna mantra. It's being very specific. Yeah. What sound? understand that it can be the material sound also, but if we have the consciousness, it can be the spiritual sound. This Hare Krishna mantra. We have the consciousness. It's, uh, it's about our consciousness, how we hear it. How we hear the sound determines whether it's material or spiritual. Okay. Other thoughts here on what Prabhupada said? I, I noticed something interesting here. He's saying the entire material manifestation began from sound. And then he says, our entanglement in material affairs has begun from material sound. So I'm hearing two things here. I'm hearing that the whole material world has come about from sound, and that my personal entanglement has come also about also from sound. So I'm, I'm hearing that Prabhupada's saying that this is functioning on a macro scale and a micro scale it's the whole material world was created by sound and my entanglement was created by sound okay and he's going to speak about the the whole cosmos you're li- skipping a few sentences from sound the ether became manifested and the air became manifested from ether how the ethereal sky comes from sound, how the air comes from sky, and how fire comes from air will be explained later on. Sound is the cause of the sky, and sky is the cause of shrotam, the ear. So, probably many of you have heard this before, that first, do you, do you all know the progression? First there's sound, then there's ether. Ether means, by the way, space. Sometimes it's sky, there's a, three or four words that are used, kam, nabi, a few other words. And they can be translated as sky or space or ether. Now, it's, it, this is just a little side point, but we've heard many times that time doesn't really exist in the spiritual world. It's conspicuous by its absence. This concept that one thing happens after another. If one thing doesn't happen after another, that means everything is going on simultaneously. Hmm. Although there's eightfold pastimes, Astakali, Krishna's eightfold pastimes. 
just like the six seasons are existing in the spiritual world all at once. Krishna walks from one seasonal forest to another, so all time is happening all at once. Although, although you can talk about this as Krishna's pastimes at this time, this is Krishna's pastimes at this time. So here we have an idea of time. It has, this has a beginning. This has an end. Things have a sequence. And that, that doesn't exist in the ultimate reality. Time is one of the main features of illusion. And the first, one of the first features of illusion is time, and another first feature of illusion is space. So Prabhupada says in the spiritual world, one plus one is one, and one minus one is one. I mean, here, each of us occupy a space, and then no one else can occupy that same space. You know, I can sit on your head, right? Someone could sit on your lap, somebody could sit on your head, but you can't have two people occupying the same space at the same time. But our idea of space is also a material creation. So space as we conceive of it doesn't exist in the ultimate spiritual reality. It's the first gross feature of illusion. That's sort of a side note. I mean, this time and space makes up sort of the essence of our experience of material life, doesn't it? Sequences of events that happened in space. We can't understand anything without space. Just like one of the first questions we ask somebody when we meet them for the first time, even a stranger, I've discovered this is the one question you can ask a stranger, is where do you live? You can't ask a stranger necessarily what you do for a living or are you married, but you can ask them where do you live? We want to place things. What place does it belong? Where do I put it in space? And it's very hard for us to make meaning out of anything without space and time. But space is the first thing created. Well, first, actually, time. Time and then space. And everything else comes from space. And space is created by sound. So this, again, may just seem, huh? First of all, what is space? It's kind of hard to even think of what space is. I mean, we think of, the only reason we know there's space in this room is because of the boundaries and because there's things in the space. We have a hard time dealing with the space itself. What exactly is it? And how would sound create space? And then how would, from space uh, comes touch, from touch comes air, from air comes form, from form comes fire. From fire comes taste, from taste comes water, from water comes smell, from smell comes earth. Earth means, by the way, solid objects. It doesn't just mean soil, and water means anything liquid. It doesn't just mean uh, H2O. And fire means anything that's any radiant energy. So basically, all the elements of the world, uh, you'll notice that time, that time is out of this sequence. Time is a very strange aspect of the material world. It doesn't have any corresponding sense organ. Uh, isn't time first of everything in connection time. of in time and then after this? All these things, yes. Yeah. Prabhupada says that in where Krishna says, time I am, in the Bhagavad Gita, he's actually referring to his incarnation as Shiva. And the Lord's glance, when the Lord glances at the material world, that glance is Shiva. So there's an explanation how time mixes with the Mahatattva to start churning the whole material. Actually, everything starts because of the time started and then everything... Yes. But you can also say that everything starts with sound. Oh. I mean, we have this... <laughs> Space and time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember in TV shows they'd have background music. 
right? So I was thinking we should have all the mobile phones geared so that they have the right kind of music at the right point in the lecture, and they would actually add something instead of just distracting. So if we think about that everything's caused by sound, and of course this is said also in the Bible, the first thing was the word. We are going to talk about levels of sound. Now, of course, modern scientists say that everything, everything material is moving. And sound is movement. Whenever there's movement, there's sound. It may not be a sound that, that's perceivable to our ears. We can only hear certain wavelengths of sound. But anytime, all sound is movement, and all movement creates sound. So just in that way, we can a little bit understand that the whole manifestation here is really just sound and things vibrating at different frequencies. There's a nice uh, section in, in uh, the Raslila portion of Krishna book where Prabhupada says the whole, the whole world is full of Krishna's singing. So, and of course, the original sound, we talk about Krishna playing his flute and entering into the ears of Lord Brahma and Lord Brahma creating from that. And this is described also in the 11th canto, 11th canto, chapter 12, text 17. Where Krishna says, My dear Uddhava, the Supreme Lord gives life to every living being and is situated within the heart along with the life air and primal sound vibration. The Supreme Lord also assumes a gross form as the various sounds of the Vedas composed of short and long vowels and consonants of different intonations. What's particularly interesting about this verse is Krishna spoke this verse when Uddhava was confused about all of Krishna's instructions. Like in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is telling Uddhava, you can do this kind of yoga and this thing and that thing. At the end, Uddhava says, okay, what do I do? And then Krishna speaks this verse. I'm in the heart along with the sound vibration. And the Supreme Lord is manifested as the sound of the Vedas. Okay, <laughs> does that really tell me what to do? Purport. Vishnu Chakravati Thakur's purport is that Uddhava was bewildered and doubtful because Lord Krishna explained many different processes such as devotional service, speculative knowledge, renunciation, mystic yoga, austerities, pious duties, and so forth. And this verse is answering what is the essence, what is the essence of all means of spiritual perfection. So this Chagavati Thakur also goes on to say that Krishna became manifest in the mouth of Lord Brahma in the form of the Vedas. The word vivara prashuti in this verse also indicates that the Lord is manifest within the adhari chakra situated within the body of Lord Brahma. The word goshena means subtle sound, and guyam pravista also indicates that Lord Krishna enters within the adhara chakra. The Lord can further be perceived within other chakras, such as the Manipura chakra located around the navel, and the Vishuddhi chakra. And what we get from there is this universe is sometimes considered the body of Lord Brahma. You may remember that when Brahma steals the boys and calves, that it's mentioned that this universe is, is basically Brahma's body. And uh, parts of the Bhagavatam, and certainly aspects of mystic yoga, will describe that the chakras within our body correspond to systems within the universe. So when we say the Lord enters into the chakra of Lord Brahma as sound, uh, this, this means that this is how the universe is created. The Lord enters into the chakra of Lord Brahma's sound and gradually comes up through the chakras and enters out of his mouth. So what's explained in Vishwanath Chakravati's 
Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's purport to Bhagavatam 11.12.17 is that prana, the life air, impregnated with nada, nada is the original sound, which is called padavak, enters the muladhar chakra of Lord Brahma. The muladhar chakra, mula means root, the very base chakra. Then it enters the Manipur chakra as Pasyantivak, just below the navel. As Vasudhi and the, in the as Majumavak, it enters the Vasudhi chakra, which is the back of the mouth, and from the coming out of the mouth of Lord Brahma as Vaikarivak. And the Vishnu Purana 1564, it says, With these sounds, Brahma then creates the cosmos. By reciting the words of the Vedas in the beginning, Lord Brahma created the names and forms of the material elements, the rituals of devas, and all of the living entities. So this is a, a brief description of Prabhupada's first point in the third canto, how through sound the whole material world is created, the whole cosmos is created. And the process is that Lord Vishnu speaks, this sound enters into the root chakra of Lord Brahma, and he talks here about four different kinds of sound, four different levels of sound. And this is going to be very important when we look at our own entanglement. And the first level is paravak. I'm sure you've heard the word para or param a lot in Sanskrit. What do we often translate the word para as? Supreme, above, or other. It can also mean other. Paramatma, the super soul. Talk about para meaning transcendental, other, above, super. And vak means speech. So the supreme speech, you could say spiritual speech, it enters into the, this lower chakra of Lord Brahma. And as it comes up through Lord Brahma's chakras, it becomes more and more gross, which is interesting because generally if you study chakras, they they're more gross at the bottom and more subtle at the top. But as it goes up, it becomes more and more gross. As it comes up to the Manipur chakra, it's called Pasyantivak. Do any of you have any idea what Pasyanti means? Sing this with the Govindas. Pasyanti Pantikalayam Tichimanji. Any idea what Pasyanti means? Thought? Could be. That would be an indirect meaning. Yeah. That would be that you're getting closer. Means to see. Pasyanti literally means to see. So just like if you want to start any kind of a project or a business, what's the first thing you need? An idea. Right? A vision. In, in management we call it a vision. You have to have a vision. So this pasyantivak is one's vision, one's idea, one's goal. Then as it moves up in the body, either you could say to the throat or the back of the, of the mouth, then it becomes majjumavak. Now, when we talk about the word majjum a lot, we talk about there's a kanista adhikari, majjum adhikari, and uttama adhikari. Anybody have you what majjum means? Or anjalila, majjalila? Middle. Middle. Now, this majjum is what we would call thoughts. Majjum is the little voice in our mind all the time. Oh, did I... Oh, I didn't put petrol in the car. Okay, i got to take care of that tomorrow. I'm not going to make sure I do that before I go to work. And... Do I have enough clothes to last for the week? When do I have to do the laundry? And I got to pay this bill. And oh, that person said this to me the other day. What am I going to do about that? I got to make sure I do that. And oh, did I answer that letter that I was supposed to answer? And you know, that's the little. And maybe years go sometimes in, in English and sometimes in Croatian. 
<laughs> Sometimes in Italian. And then there's the Vaikarivak. Uh, Vaikarivak, Kari is, is action. Vaikarivak is, is words that come out of the mouth, <coughs> actual speech. And Prabhupada was uh, one time said, how does any project get started? He says, first you talk about it. You want to do something, you talk about it. Oh, why don't we do this? Why don't we get buy a place, start a temple? Why don't we have a traveling Harinam party? So that's the beginning of all action. So this is how the whole universe is created. Krishna enters as Paravak. It becomes transformed as it goes up through Lord Brahma's body, which is the body of the universe, into Pasyantivak, into Majmavak, then into Vaikarivak. And as it comes out of Lord Brahma's mouth as Vaikarivak, everything starts manifesting. Now, that doesn't happen for me. I don't just say, you know, spaghetti, and there's a pot of spaghetti on the stove. But Lord Brahma can do that. But certainly, if I want to have spaghetti on the stove, I first have to at least be thinking about it. I have to at least have the majjumavak going before it's going to manifest on the gross platform. But the pasyantivak first says that you want some uh, spaghetti. You have a vision. You have a goal. And, and then the majjumavak starts to think how to do it, and then he says, huh? Yes. Uh, exactly. And the first one, how is it included? Paravak is, is, is really the core desire, uh, core <laughs> yearning. We are very rarely really dealing with Paravak. We're almost always just dealing with Pasyantia. The Paravak is driving everything, but we, we don't generally touch it directly. Is it, is it he the core of your desire to eat spaghetti? Paravak is basically the soul. It's transcendental. Paravak is the voice of the soul. Pasyantivak is the voice of the intelligence, Majmavak is the voice of the mind, and Vaikarivak is the voice of the body. So just like uh, Krishna through Brahma creates the whole universe through sound, so you could say that we're little Brahmas creating our own little universe, whether it's my own flat and house or whether it's my own corner of a room in the Brahmacharya ashram. I mean, wherever is my own place. For me, it's two suitcases. You were looking at my suitcase. You said, oh, it's so organized. That's my little world, you know. I said, this one's my house. This one's my office. Right? So I have my little creation. I want to get this kind of house, this kind of car, this kind of life. And we set up our own little universe. Our family, our job, our residence, our clothes, our food and everything. And we look at it and go, yes. Of course, after a while, we say, no, maybe I'll do it this way. <laughs> and the way that this process works for our own entanglement, remember Prabhupada said that not only does sound create the whole material world, but it creates our entanglement. So first is Paravak, the voice of the soul. I want to enjoy separately from Krishna. I want to see if I can make it separately. I want to try to be separate from Krishna. And this, this voice of the soul is very powerful. And Krishna says with one spark of himself, he maintains the whole material world. As, as a little tiny spark of God, although we're infinitesimal, we're very powerful. If someone develops mystic powers, they can create a planet. We have, we have a lot of power as a soul, and when we say that, Eko Bhaganam Yovita Dati Kama, Krishna fulfills all desires, okay. 
But that's a very general thing. I want to enjoy separately from Krishna. Like you have a general thing. I want to make money. Then pasyantivak. Pasyantivak, you get a particular vision. Oh, I think I'd like to make money by having my own business. Right? You get some, some vision. And then majimavak, you start making specific plans, accepting and rejecting. The mind is accepting and rejecting. By karivak, you start talking about it and you start doing things. So paravak, the soul, is I want to enjoy separately from Krishna. Then what covers the soul is intelligence, material intelligence. She's, oh, I get some vision of myself as the enjoyer. I get some vision of myself as the king, the master. And then covering is mind. Okay, well, how do you do this? The vision isn't enough. Then you have to have a strategy. Any of you know anything about management? Right? And from a, you can't just have a vision. I really want to be a doctor. I can just see myself. I mean, there are New Age people who preach like this. That you just sit on your couch and you visionate, you know. Yeah, you just you just visionate all day. You know, that's not really a word. You just sit around and just say, "Okay, there I am. I'm a doctor. I'm driving a red sports car." I mean, if you develop mystic powers, that could be enough. But then you have to do a lot of austerities to get the mystic powers. So, not just going to develop mystic powers sitting around on your couch. <laughs> So from the vision, then there has to be a strategy. There has to be a plan. How am I going to become a doctor? How am I going to get the red sports car? And then there has to be some kind of action. So these are the steps. The, the general desire, the vision, the strategy, and the action. And everything that we've manifested, this body, of course, is the vehicle for action. So Vaikarivak, the gross speech, indicates our gross body, which is our vehicle for action. We can't achieve any of the desires of our mind and intelligence without a gross body. That's why being a ghost is so frustrating, because the ghosts have the vision and they have the strategies, but they don't have any tools to achieve it. You know, and sometimes that happens with our visions and strategies, isn't it? We make a vision and strategy for something that requires 10 billion euros, you know, and we don't have the the means to do it. Well, I think I'd like to make a feature-length 3D movie of the Mahabharat, you know, and I get a vision of it, and I have a strategy, but nobody's funding me. <laughs> so I can't do anything. So without a gross body, without an instrument of action, I, I, I can't fulfill these desires. So that's basically how we come into the material world. Now we're going to look at another analogy given. Okay, so in 17, remember in 11, oh, 11, 12, 17, where Krishna told Uddhava, okay, on the sound. Then the next verse in 18, he says, when sticks of kindling wood are vigorously rubbed together, heat is produced by contact with air and a spark of fire appears. Once the fire is kindled, ghee is added and the fire blazes. Similarly, I become manifest in the sound vibration of the Vedas. So we'll go through this again. When sticks of kindling wood, people didn't used to use matches. They used to rub wood together, certain kinds of wood. So when sticks of kindling wood are vigorously, not just like vigorously rubbed together, heat is produced by contact with air, and what comes first? 
Spark. Once the fire is kindled, what do you add? Ghee. Then the fire blazes. Similarly, I become manifest in the sound of the Vedas. So we're going to keep that analogy in mind. So, I don't know, this is a small country. Do you guys use GPSs here? Do you use satellite navigation? Yeah. Some small countries, nobody nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> no ice cream. When I was no ice cream, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you have these GPSs and you can probe them where you want to go and then you can push the home button and you go back, right? <laughs> Do you have that here? Yeah. <laughs> or like you go onto these map things on the internet and you do your route and then you do reverse directions? For Nisingadev's appearance day, I was on Hawaii and a devotee invited us to his home for a program, but he sent us all reverse directions. He sent us all directions from his home to our place <laughs> instead of the other way. Right, so now we've looked at how do we get entangled. We got entangled. We started with Paravak, I want to enjoy. Then the Pasyantivak, the vision of how I want to enjoy the world. Then Majumavak, my plans, my strategies for enjoyment. Then Vaikarivak, the gross body, my instrument of enjoyment, gross speech. So now I've, I've, this is how I've gotten here, where I am now, to my destination. So now I want the reverse directions. Now I want to go home. So how do you go home? Wherever you turned right, now you turn left. And you go backwards. And this is also explained by this analogy of the wood. So we've ended up with the gross body. Okay, so now you start with the gross body. With the gross body, you engage in acts of sacrifice, and you engage particularly in the chanting of transcendental sound. So you take the gross body, gross mouth, and you chant. Now, so on the level of Vaikarivak, you're chanting. What's happening on the level of Majumavak? Are you chanting on Majumavak in the beginning? No. No. Right? The, the Vaikarivak is chanting, but the Majumavak is still going, oh, I got to put petrol in the car, and I got to deal with that nasty letter somebody sent me, and, you know, <laughs> my wife wants me to pick up some milk, or whatever it is. Right? All these things going on in the mind. And Pasyantivak, on the level of vision, our visions are still, how can I get, how can everybody think that I'm a wonderful person, or how can I get money, or how can I enjoy the world somehow, right? Or, Wow, look at that beautiful person who just walked by in the room. Or that, you know, that's where our Prasyantivak is going, and Paravak is still going, I want to be the master of the world. Right? Now, if, if you s- pretty much, pretty much, everyone starts at chanting at the level of Vaikarivak. That's where you are. You start at your destination. However, chanting on Vaikarivak is also called Nam Aparad. In, in English, we call it lip service. I don't really care, but I say I care. I'm just doing lip service. Or uh, if any of you ever read Shakespeare's Macbeth. So Macbeth became king by murdering the king and murdering a whole bunch of people. Nobody really liked him. After all, he didn't even like himself. And at one point, his enemy comes and He's gathering all his soldiers, and he says, the problem with my soldiers is they only have mouth loyalty. That was his term, mouth loyalty. So people who just say yes, 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 but their heart isn't in it. 
So chanting just on the level of Vaikari Vaka is exactly like that. We're saying, Krishna, I want to serve you, Krishna, I want to serve you. But on Majjhima Vaka and Pasyanti Vaka and Paravaka, we're saying something completely different. And of course, Krishna, who's in the heart, hears the other, he doesn't just hear the external. I mean, even in our own dealings, we often find a, a difference between what a person says with their mouth and what they're actually saying. You know, 70% of communication is body language, 23% is tone of voice, and only 7% is the words. And when we're communicating with someone, we're constantly trying to read their body language and their tone of voice to find out what they're really saying. Can you just repeat the percentage? percentage? 70 is body language, 23% tone of voice, 7% the words. Which is why, if all you have is the words, do you know what we do when we listen on the phone? This is really a side issue here, but... Do you know why speaking to someone on the phone when you're driving is much more dangerous than talking to a passenger? Like a lot of countries now have laws that you can't speak on a, on a mobile yeah. while you're driving, but nobody's made a law that you can't speak to the passenger while you're driving. Why? Why is it more dangerous to speak on a phone while you're driving? Yes. Because your, your mind is filling in your imagination of the person's body language. Otherwise, you can't make any sense out of what they're saying. You're imagining their body language. And of course, we all know that that's probably not accurate. You know, when I'm talking on the phone, I may be doing things that I would never do if I was sitting having a conversation with you. Right? Have you ever talked on the phone and you're answering your email at the same time? <laughs> and you'd never do that. But I mean, if you did that face-to-face -face with someone, it would, be, it would be giving a message you wouldn't want to be giving. So we're basically imagining the persons we're adding their body language, and therefore it takes more concentration to understand what someone's saying on the phone than if you're speaking face-to-face. -face. You have to pay a lot more attention. You ever notice that? You have to concentrate more to hear somebody on the phone? That's why. And if you're just reading something in a letter, all you have is the words, your mind adds body language and tone of voice of the other person. And we often assume that that's actually, we don't, we're not always aware that we're doing that. And we often react to things we read as if the person's wrote it in the tone of voice that we imagine that they wrote it in. And then you, you misread it, which is why just written communication can be so problematic. So anyway, Krishna's hearing those other levels of sound. He's hearing what we're really saying. As I was saying, when I, when I talk to somebody, I'm trying to, I'm trying to read and see whether their body language, their tone of voice, and their words are all in harmony or not. I'm trying to figure out what they're really saying. So we all have a sense that somebody's words may not be what they're really saying. Does that make sense, everybody? So certainly Krishna in our heart, Krishna who's hearing these other levels of sound, he knows what we're actually saying. But you have to start there. You start with the Vaikari Vak. Now the idea is that by chanting and chanting and chanting with the Vaikari Vak, that eventually the Majjhima Vak starts to chant also. And that's what we commonly call hearing. So if I'm chanting both on the level of Vaikari Vak and Majjhima Vak, if my mind is chanting along with my voice, then that's the level of Nam? What? Abbas. That's a, I'm, I'm getting in the shadow of the name. When I'm just chanting with my mouth, that's not actually real chanting. It's a, it's a start. What's um, a little heavy 
is that Jiva Goswami says that if you intentionally remain on the level of just Vaikari Bhakti, if you intentionally remain on the level of Nama Bharat, then it leads to four really nasty things. Now again, this is someone who's intentionally staying on that platform because pretty much all of us start on that platform. We all start just chanting on the level of mouth. I mean, when you're new to Krishna consciousness, you really can't chant on any other level because you don't have any other understanding. Your understanding isn't, isn't deep. But Jiva Goswami says if you stay on that platform, he says it leads to four things. Crookedness, faithlessness. So crookedness, you become devious. You lose faith. You become attached to things that destroy faith in Krishna. You become slack in the process. And you start taking pride in your devotional accomplishments. In fact, you start thinking that your external accomplishments are symptoms